Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Things That Charlie Did, Chapter 7. Charlie was able to focus on his writing for the next two days. He only left his room to eat. He didn't see Maria again during that two-day period, something that he caught himself thinking about more than he really wanted to. It was distracting his writing to think about her, but still, he wouldn't have minded the intelligent conversation she was able to provide had she been around. His writing about his climb to wealth had progressed past his early childhood years and into his teen years before he had left for Mexico. This is where he had gotten stuck and couldn't seem to move forward. The surroundings of San Miguel were creating a nice atmosphere, though. The clog was unplugged. Charlie could almost feel the emotions of those days as if they were happening to him all over again. He wrote of the success he began to experience as a young adult. There was the election to be class president his sophomore year in high school, and despite the embarrassing loss, he refused to give up. He tried the next year again. Not only was he a junior class president, but a senior class president the year after that. His determination was recognized by the teachers who knew his background and circumstances. They praised his determination and held it up as a model for other students to see. Although pleased with his accomplishments, Charlie still wasn't happy at that age. It was an unsatisfying feeling, a feeling where it seemed impossible to be satisfied. It was a general sadness that he had never told anyone about, until writing the words that described it in that small room in San Miguel. The memory started to flood him. He would write for a while about certain things, then remember something else about that same incident and have to go back and rewrite. Within that two-day period, though, he had completed writing about his teenage years without dividing it into chapters. He figured he'd grab his fax machine, drive into Cuidad Norte, and fax what he had to California. He also planned to call to check in and let people know how he was doing. It was early morning when he slipped out without waking the Gomezes. The road to Cuidad Norte was dark and the going was slow. The cool morning air made constant climbing and descending on the jungle mountain road much easier on the rental car's engine. Although the gauge was in the high range at times, not once did it go into the red, so he never had to stop. Once there, the sun had barely started to rise. He pulled into the same gas station he had visited when first arriving. Knowing it was early, he figured he'd have to wait for the nice old gentleman before he would be able to get into the office area and set up his fax machine. A $20 bill ought to do the trick, he said out loud while waiting. To his surprise, it didn't take long at all for the man to emerge from the office. He recognized Charlie, smiled, and approached the car. Charlie showed him a $20 bill and pointed to the gas pump. The man, although polite, didn't seem the same as he had seemed the first time 
Charlie had seen him. His eyes were bloodshot and he hadn't shaved. Charlie held his hand up like he was holding a telephone and the man knew what Charlie wanted. He motioned for Charlie to go into the small office while he was beginning to fill the gas tank. After quickly grabbing the fax machine and a manila folder full of his newly written pages, Charlie quick stepped across the gas station parking lot to the small office and once there quickly set up. He dialed the number, got the familiar connecting tone and began to feed the written pages one at a time into the machine. They were gobbled and then spit out the other end of the machine. He neatly restacked the papers and placed them face down so they would be kept in order. While working, he did notice that the movement outside had increased as the sleepy little town was waking up. When finished, he came outside with the machine in one hand in the file folder holding the newest portions of his book in the other. Excited and pleased that he had actually made a step forward and accomplished something toward the goal of finishing the project, he walked quickly back to the car. The gas station attendant had finished pumping the gas and was looking down the street. Charlie joined him in his gaze toward the end of the street. Things were a little bit different than the last time he had been through town. There were people moving around. Many of them stood in the street, talking. Others were walking with their heads down. They looked to be sad. Charlie pointed to the people, then shrugged his shoulders while holding his palms upwards as if to ask what's going on. The gas station attendant simply shook his head no, then looked down before walking on back toward his office. Something was up. He hopped in the car and took off, figuring he'd drive to the end of the street and see what was going on. He really could have just walked, but the vibes just didn't seem good at the gas station. Slowly, he drove down the dirt road of Cuidad Norte. The people that had been congregating there for discussion politely moved, some even giving a polite smile as Charlie let the car roll at no more than three or four miles per hour. Altogether, he figured there were about three dozen people. Charlie was pleasantly surprised to see Maria among the people that were chatting. He rolled his window down quickly, and she came to the car before he could even get it all the way down. Hi, Charlie, she said kindly. Hi, this town seems to have sprung to life since the last time I was here. Maria looked sad. I wish it were for a happy occasion, she said. What do you mean? Charlie scanned the group of people again. Although they were standing talking, they looked sad too. There's going to be a funeral today, said Maria. Charlie started to put two and two together, but asked anyway, just to be sure. Someone you were close to? One of my students. Maria obviously didn't know that Charlie had found the body. Strange, he thought. Surely Mr. Gomez knew from Mr. Garcia. You know something, started Maria. It wouldn't be inappropriate to attend if you wanted to. His parents would be pleased that you expressed your sorrow. 
The whole town is so sad, Charlie. Charlie parked the car and Maria waited for him. What happened? he asked. He was found shot in the head in the jungle. Maria had noticeably lowered her voice so as not to be overheard. Was it to be respectful or to keep other people from hearing what happened? People are so upset, Charlie, she continued. School was canceled today. Everything is canceled. Really? asked Charlie. You have to remember, she said, in a small town like this, everyone not only knows everyone, but these people grew up together. They're all very close. He watched in quietness as the crowd all of a sudden made its way to the sides of the street, making a narrow path down its center. Soon afterward, four men carrying a simple wooden coffin came from one of the houses that lined the street. Heads bowed as the coffin carrying the young man's dead body was gently muscled to the small chapel that was the absolute last building along the road. Once the men carrying the coffin went inside, the crowd followed. Maria stood closely to Charlie as they followed everyone into the boy's funeral. Maria and Charlie sat toward the middle of the chapel. A priest stood at the front behind the casket. There was one stained glass window in the shape of a cross behind him. The morning light was shining brightly through it, projecting colors of red, yellow, and greens, and of course purple on the priest's white robe and the casket's wood grain. The aroma of the freshly cut wood filled the small room. A couple sitting in the front row both wept softly. It must have been the boy's parents. Charlie could hear the sound of others gently weeping as well. The priest's words were soft-spoken and kind. It was easy to see his sincerity even through the Spanish. Maria's emotions were heavy too. Charlie heard first a sniffle or two from her, then the distinctive sound of quick breaths as she cried. He took her hand and she squeezed his hand as he did. She didn't let go for several minutes. The service didn't take long. Someone dies. The people are sad. What is there to say if you really think about it? Charlie was struck by the compassion of the people of the small town. Charlie felt sad, too. A young life was gone. The strangest thing happened as Charlie watched the same four men carry the casket out of the chapel. He began to feel like he had felt when writing the previous two days. The emotions from his teenage years seemed to well up inside of him as if he were 16 years old again. That sad feeling from the funeral just felt awful. Some ways, it made him feel the way he felt when he was younger. His mind filled with questions he couldn't answer. Why was that feeling so strong? Why was it so hard to write about that time in his life? Feeling selfish about thinking about himself in such a situation, he pushed the thought from his mind. He began scanning the room and looking at those gathered to pay their last respects to the young man. All of the people were dressed in jeans or slacks, 
No suits and ties here. The small chapel began to empty in the same way it was filled. The first rows followed the casket out first, then the next row followed and so forth. Charlie stood quietly holding Maria's hand as first the casket and then the people filed by one at a time. He had to take a double take when he saw the young lady that followed closely behind the sobbing couple he'd seen at the front of the church. She looked to be about 16. Her long black hair was tightly pulled back and held by a thick white beret. The slightest amount of makeup highlighted her Hispanic skin tone. A slight figure and short, probably barely five feet tall, she was pretty and seemed confident as she held her head up, not down like the others. But what was striking was the necklace she was wearing. It was exactly like the one that Charlie had stuck into his pocket when he and Mr. Garcia had found the body. It was quickly time for the road Charlie and Maria were on to follow the line out of the chapel. Will you attend the grave service, she asked. Charlie nodded to indicate that he would. Strange way to get closer to Maria, he whispered under his breath. What, she asked, turning to look up at him. Nothing, really. Where is the cemetery, he said. There's a path that leads to the cemetery from behind the chapel. Out of respect, it's tradition to allow the family time alone there. Then we will all go for a brief service. Sounds like you've had to do this before, said Charlie. Unfortunately, yes, she said. Too often, I'm afraid. Maria sighed as if she had come up against a wall that was impossible to climb. It was like that comment reminded her of something terrible she didn't have the power to change. Charlie was curious, even though while they walked out of the chapel and stood near its entrance waiting for the proper time to attend the graveside service, it might not seem appropriate at that time to ask. But he asked anyway, Maria, what do you mean this happens too often? third time this year, she said. Three murders in a year in a small community like Cuidad Norte and San Miguel? Are you kidding me? He asked. Maria turned to look at him and show a surprised look on her face. Who said they were murders? Oops, Charlie thought to himself. He really didn't want to go into the fact that he had actually been the one that had discovered the body too late though that was a piece of information he'd have to lie about in order to dodge that he really didn't want to do maria look he stated i was the one that found this boy's body you so that's why you went running around with mr garcia for an entire day i thought that was strange she said how did you know i did that he asked but this time with a right back at you kind of tone. My parents told me you left with him that morning and didn't come back until early afternoon. My, my, people are observing around here, said Charlie. 
They were standing in front of the chapel and were half in the street. They were stopped and facing each other. There were other groups of two, three, and four people standing around, chatting quietly too. These aren't even towns, Charlie. They're villages. You're a long, long, long way from home, she said. Yeah, but a murder, he responded. I just wouldn't think that kind of thing went on out here. It does, she said. Tell me about this young man, asked Charlie. Well, he was bright, eager to learn, very much in love with Margarita Rosales. Margarita, he asked. Yes, Maria looked around and spotted her quickly. She was standing in a group of four others about her age. Over there, Maria pointed. The girl facing us. It was the girl with the same necklace the dead young man had worn. Maria, what's the boy's name? Did I hear the priest say Juan? Yes, his name was Juan Ramirez. Charlie shook his head. What a waste. Maria had a million questions about how Charlie had been the one to discover the body. But for now, anyway, the questions would have to wait as the priest was motioning for everyone to follow him down the path that led to the cemetery. Charlie felt bad for the boy and his family. The hurt he saw in the faces of Juan Ramirez's parents was heavy on his heart. Funny though, even odd. The feeling wasn't new to him. Why? Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Things That Charlie Did. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.